You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, we drive down on the first man who is inside. Pull back, we tell him to take the first man outside the offensive tackle. No one shows. He goes right by this and feels inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley. Hey, what's up, gang? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. We're going to cut straight to the chase tonight. We've got a special guest on the line. It's our very own Packers insider, Mr. Paul Brettel. We're going to bring him on in. Let's see if we got him. There he is. What's going on tonight, Paul? I'm doing great. Always happy to hop on and talk Packers with you, Clayton. Absolutely, man. I, I hope this continues because this is the highlight of the week Fun. for me, no doubt. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure you already do. Paul is a contributor at, at the uh, Packer Wire. He also writes for Dairyland Express, had an awesome article today at the Packer Wire that uh, just kind of broke down practice. And, and I was kind of filtering through that before we got on here. You can also follow him on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what you call it, <laughs> at Paul underscore Brettel. So, Paul, let's cut to the chase here, man. Let's get right into it. You know, the question that everybody always asks and we got to lead in with um, is Jordan Love, right? We got, we're got we on Jordan Love watch here. Um, what were your kind of takeaways? Maybe how did Jordan perform over these last two joint practices with the New England Patriots? Because I, I think we would all agree this is probably the biggest test he's had so far, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it was two very different days. Um, I left Wednesday's practice. I'm very, very encouraged. And it wasn't specific. There were really good throws in that practice, but – a lot of the things that we saw him do within that practice in a vacuum, we've seen him do uh, throughout training camp. And I will say it was more consistent, but the part that I was most uh, encouraged by is going up against that new England defense and love talked to us in the locker room about this afterwards. They threw a ton of blitzes at him. Uh, they uh, used a bunch of different personnel. So one time the one player might be a linebacker and then the very next snap, you know, he's, he's down at defensive end. 
And then they did a bunch of mixed coverages, late movement. So Love might be looking at, uh, you know, cover two as he's about to snap the ball. All of a sudden, you know, Patriots shift to cover one as the ball's getting snapped to him. And obviously that changes all the responsibilities and what's anticipated. And to see Love still perform well against all that chaos, I thought was the most encouraging because all three of those things are aspects that aren't just specific to the Patriots, but I think almost all defenses are going to throw that at love in this offense because it's meant to create chaos. It's meant to create confusion. It's hopefully, you know, from the defense's perspective, you know, in the midst of all that create some turnovers and poor decisions, but love was consistent. Matt LaFleur talks about let's go through the process, get it correct. And the results will take care of themselves. And that's what he did. He didn't look hurried. You could see him going through his progressions, and that's why a lot of the throws that he did make were checkdowns because he wasn't forcing anything. There were no, no turnovers. There weren't anything that I even deemed a turnover-worthy play uh, during that Wednesday practice. And then on top of it, they were able to generate some big plays. He hit Jaden Reed going across the middle. Get used to hearing that one too, Jaden Reed and Luke <laughs> Musgrave across the middle. Uh, big yak opportunity. Down in the red zone drill, Luke Musgrave uh, ran down the seam. He found him in the back of the end zone. And then the play of the day that I'm sure many saw on Twitter, that uh, post route to Christian Watson. Love talked about that in the locker room afterwards, and he said that he was looking at Romeo Dobbs initially, who was running a crossing route underneath Watson's post. And it was that route that got the safety over the top to hesitate for a split second that allowed Watson to get behind him, and then he had already beat his cornerback that was on him, and beautiful throw from Love. So all of that is what I found really encouraging. Thursday, and I'll start by saying we got to give credit where credit's due. The New England defense, specifically the secondary, was really, really good. They were all over the Packers receivers. Um, I counted seven or eight pass breakups from the Patriots secondary. But I think if we're looking for what can we take away from this, it's, again, it was a, a, a real game aspect to it. You know, in the NFL, if one week the offense does something well or a particular player does something well, that's now on film. Defenses are going to look at that. They're going to analyze it and figure out how do we take this away. And I talked to Samori Toure after today's practice, and it's not as if the Patriots did anything incredibly different. In fact, he said what they did Wednesday to Thursday from a schematic standpoint was pretty similar. But there was the familiarity. They had now had a day of going up against this Packers defense. They had seen the looks that they're going to run. You know, the the defenders become more comfortable in their responsibilities and what they're asked to do. And like I said, that's a component of the week-to-week NFL as you put stuff on tape that a young offense is going to have to overcome. Defenses are going to adjust. Defenses are going to counter. And the Packers have to figure out how do we counter back to make sure that we aren't just, you know, stalled out for that game and have to go back to the film room. You're going to have to make in-game adjustments. And understand a big part of that is regular season talk versus a joint practice. But I still think there's some overlay there in terms of it being a good learning experience for this offense. And again, outside of the Patriots just playing really well, that's a big part of what I I, uh, attribute today's struggles to. There was, again, the pass breakups. And you could see that... uh, that prog- the progressions that Love went through and not forcing anything yesterday, you could see that the fact that no one was open led to a few more, you know, forced throws into tight windows. Right. There was an interception today in the two-minute drill. So you could see the trickle-down effect of some of those, you know, easier throws not being there today. Um, we're 
off the top of my head, weren't really any big plays generated. He found Christian Watson twice in the end zone during a red zone drill. And then to wrap up the two minute period, uh, one throw was love rolling out to his right. He had Josiah DeGore in the back right corner and it was a good throw. It was a tough catch just given DeGore moving to his right, the sidelines right there, the defender was there, but it's one you'd like to see DeGore grab. Uh, another one in that same two minute drill, Again, Luke Musgrave on a crosser and Jordan Love threw it was just ahead of him. He couldn't grab it. And then uh, the play that ended the two minute drill, it was fourth down and it just went right through Musgrave's hands. So there was there needed to be better execution as well. It's not as if this Packers offense looked like it was firing on all cylinders by any means. And the Patriots defense was just locking them down still like they got to be better in that respect. But that's how I would put a bow on these last two joint practices. And again, what I really liked was the realistic aspect of what the regular season's going to look like and what I think defenses are going to try to do to love in the Packers. Got it. Makes sense. You know, it's one of the things that that many veteran quarterbacks, you know, well, I should say quarterbacks who are kind of setting their ways don't like about this offense is having to turn their back to the defense right in the play action and having that late rotation like you were talking about with those DBs moving post snap. Um, when I when I heard he was checking the ball down, I heard many many podcasters, many radio show hosts um, saying that was like it was a negative thing, and and I was getting excited. Mm-hmm. I'm going, he's taking what the defense is giving mm-hmm. him. That's exactly what he's doing, and that's Belichick is going to bait you all day mm-hmm. long. That's what I mean. If I if I remember correctly, Paul, you correct me if I'm wrong. I think New England was second in the league last year in interceptions defensively. Yep. If I remember correctly. So the fact that Love was able to protect the ball day one, and then like I said, had a little bit of a rough patch day two. I'm encouraged. I'm excited to see him a couple series there uh, on Saturday for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff. Is there anything else that maybe uh, stood out to you on offense, Paul? You know, I mean, you covered a lot there. If if not, it's totally cool. But did anything else kind of kind of stick out to you? Maybe offensive line. Like, what what's the latest on the offensive line? Maybe. Yeah. So we saw the same uh, offensive line configuration that we've seen for most of camp. Wednesday, David Bakhtiari was out. So is Yash Nyman at left tackle, and then Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and Tom. And it just as more time goes by, I know Jenkins had those snaps for maybe two practices, one for sure where he was starting at center, but this has been their starting unit for the most part. So this is the group that I expect to be uh, going out week one against Chicago. And then on Thursday, David Bakhtiari was back in the mix, obviously took over for Yash Nyman at left tackle. And before I talk about the group collectively, there's very few offensive tackles out there that cannot practice for a week, not play for a week, and then go out there and face Matthew Juden, Judon, snap after snap after snap, and hold up like David Bakhtiari did. I know the, you know, paying attention to is he available, is he not available. I know that garners a lot of the attention. But And last season shows us too, when he's out on the field, he is still playing at a really, really high level. Um, As far as the group as a whole, I thought that they held up well in pass protection, especially on Wednesday. Like I said, Love was going through his progressions. It takes time to do that. And for the most part, he had the time that he needed. Something that I am monitoring, and we've seen this for all the training camp, not just in the last two practices, but the run game. There hasn't been a ton of you know wide open running lanes in between the tackles. Uh, you know, Jones has done a good job like he does of creating. We all know A.J. Dillon can be a hard runner. But there just hasn't been those wide open running lanes. And one caveat I'll add is because they aren't fully tackling. You know, it's it's tough to tell in real time when they're not tackling. You know, 
if Jones gets two, three yards, could he have turned that into five or six? So I want to add that into that and, you know, as the caveat as well, but haven't seen in any of the practices really any big runs uh, or even, you know, modest, you know, decent runs where they're getting 10, 12, 15 yards, chunk runs. Um, it's been a lot of two, three, four yards, you know, in between the tackles, they have found more success getting out wide, but that's something I'm going to be watching because as we know, that's where the, the, the question marks lie on this offensive line unit, specifically at Myers and John Runyon. And I was looking at the stats from last season, you know, when we were finding out that uh, we could see Zach Tom playing some center, Aaron Jones averaged 5.3 yards per carry on the season. He averaged, and these numbers are from PFF, he averaged 3.5 yards per rush running in between Myers and Runyon. He And A.J. Dillon wow. averaged 3.5 yards per rush running in between Myers and Runyon. So it was that's good information, Paul. It was greater going into the other gaps. So again, that's going to be something to keep our eyes on because while we're all focused on Jordan Love and the young pass catchers, (laughs) if the running game doesn't get going and you have a young quarterback, a young offense, and second and eights, third and sevens, predictable passing situations, I'm going to guess it's probably not going to end well very often. Yeah, and you know this this offensive line, this Green Bay offensive line, almost always grades out really well pass blocking wise, according to PFF. You know that seems to be their strength, mm-hmm. yep. and I think a lot of that has to do with that wide zone look. You know where where they're they're marrying up the run to the pass, and it and it mm-hmm. literally looks like an outside zone run, even if there's a boot attached or not. Right? Um, I think that does kind of. Uh, cheat the numbers maybe or the uh, the success a little bit in the offensive line's favor in that regard because the defense, they have to treat that like it's a run. They have to, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that's good stuff. Yeah, that, as far as the, the Russian statistics there on the right side, I never even thought to look into it that deep, but mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense, which makes you kind of wonder what did he average off the left side, right, in between the mm-hmm. left guard and the left tackle. It had to be pretty significant. So mm-hmm. um, something to look for uh, moving forward for sure. Let's uh, – Let's hop over to the defensive side of the ball, Paul. Um, the last two days against the Patriots. Now, I follow the Patriots pretty close. I, I don't want to say they're my second favorite team because it would be a distant, distant second, but it is the team that I follow the most just because of the tradition, much like Green Bay and the history of success. Um, you know, looking at their offense, they they definitely were underwhelming last year with having Matt Patricia as their offensive coordinator. But now they bring in Billy O'Brien, from 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 Alabama, and of course he was there with Brady way back in the day. That's where he got his Billy Teapot uh, nickname, <laughs> of course, from Brady, where they used to cuss each other out in Irish Gaelic on the sidelines. But <laughs> um, when it comes to this offense, though, you know, some would say it isn't a very powerful offense, but they're kind of making that shift back into what Mac Jones did well at Alabama with Billy O'Brien coming back from Alabama. Um, how do you think the defense fared against? that offense these last two days and maybe what stood out to you the most, maybe one or two players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the first day, the defensive front dominated the Patriots. I mean, dominated. I'm, I I don't remember his name. He writes for the Boston Globe and covers the Patriots, but he tweeted out that he counted 13 sacks during Wednesday's practice alone. Uh, the interior defensive line, and I know we've talked about that on here, I was very good, but I was just really impressed even today as well. And I'll get to today's performance in a second, but with the edge rushers as a whole, literally from the top of the depth chart to the bottom, Keyshawn Banks, Aaron Mosby making plays. Keyshawn Banks had uh, a pressure where he just uh, speed rushed right around the offensive tackle. 
Aaron Mosby had a play where he just bull rushed the offensive tackle, literally drove him into the ground on his back. And then on a run play, the Patriots ran an end around and he just stayed home and boom, was right there to meet the receiver who had the ball. I was just incredibly impressed with that unit as a whole. Uh, both days, but specifically on Wednesday and their ability to get after the quarterback. I talked to Justin Hollins in the locker room after today's practice, and he came in late to the Packers last season. I think it was week 12 or so. Um, but I asked him about the difference in the edge rush room this year because the depth, and that's what we saw Wednesday and Thursday, is so much improved. Like If we rewind to this time a year ago, so the depth of that unit was a big question mark. And unfortunately, once Rashawn Gary got hurt, we saw that. But now this season, you got Enig Bari, who's in year two. And by the way, two really, really good practices. He was lights out on Wednesday, and he was starting with Preston Smith today. Don't think that's a coincidence. Wow. Uh, but Enig Bari's in year two. Obviously, they added Lucas Van Ness. Even Justin Hollins, he has a full offseason right now in this Joe Barry system rather than, you know, there's overlap coming from L.A. to Green Bay, but rather than learning it on the fly, uh, added Van Ness, if I didn't mention that, uh, Keyshawn Banks, Brenton Cox, they just signed Aaron Mosby. Like, they've added a lot of different guys, you know, a lot of guys to this room, whereas a year ago in that kind of playing time range of fourth, fifth edge rusher spot, you're relying on, Jonathan Garvin or Ladarius Hamilton. So this whole edge rusher unit, the depth of it uh, has been bolstered and they were really, really impressive. So that unit, and again, the interior defensive line was uh, what I thought to be the most impressive. During today's practice, we saw the Patriots have, the Patriots offense have more success. Uh, what I will say is, you know, you look at Mac Jones's numbers and he held up well against the pressure, but I still thought that there was decent pressure generated. And I do think, as I think I saw, he was 14 of 17. I do think those numbers might have been, um, you know, if it was a real game, a little less because there were some pressures that were really close that I think in real time would have been sacks. You know, and if you're the referee in that instance, it's tough to just blow a play dead unless it's completely right. obvious, like he's got you. Um, but I do think there were two or three pass rushes that come to mind that might have been sacks. So I just thought that group as a whole played really well. The second team defense, I think, got picked on the most today. Um, the starters, I thought, for the most part, held their own. Uh, the two-minute drill, they were finding success early on. Uh, but New England, Mac Jones to Devontae Parker connected on a big play from 46, 47 yards. Uh, Razul Douglas was in coverage down the left sideline. So wasn't nearly as good as yesterday's performance, but Wednesday's performance was really, really good. Wow. Good stuff. We actually had a, a couple comments here in the chat that I just wanted to highlight real quick. Um, let's see. Uh, the names are funny, <laughs> Paul, but we're just going to do it. Jesus of the Apes said, um, I think it was him that said it. Let's see. Yeah, Campbell had a scooter and a boot on today, talking about Devondre Campbell. And then Eric Sutherland said, word is Campbell may have a significant ankle injury per uh, Basarisky production. Um did you hear anything about Devondre Campbell? Have you? Uh, did you notice anything? Did, first of all, can we confirm from your viewpoint? Did you see him on a scooter with a boot? Um, I did not. I know that he's out with an ankle injury. I did see Matt Schneidman of the Athletic tweet that he saw him in the locker room on the boot and scooter. Um, gotcha. So, I, I guess that's the case right now. But I don't have any other information. Obviously, Devondre Campbell's a key part of this defense. Yeah. Uh, 
but what I will say, I was encouraged by Isaiah McDuffie and Eric Wilson, not to say that they're going to step in and just, you know, replace his level of play by any means, but Isaiah McDuffie, they've been using him as a blitzer. We saw that in Cincinnati and he really flies around the field. He's got some sneaky speed and he played the run. Well, there was a, a toss to the right where he got out to the boundary, stopped the ball carrier from turning up field. Uh, there was another play where he filled the gap at the line of scrimmage again, stopped the ball carrier. And then on our today's practice, Eric Wilson in pass coverage, he had two pass deflections that both resulted in interceptions. They popped up in the air and another Packer came away with them. And then they used him on a blitzer or as a blitzer uh, during the two minute drill with the second team defense. I uh, was in the quarterback's face instantly. Uh, Bailey Zappi just had to throw the ball away. So um, obviously we hope Devondre Campbell's back on the field as soon as possible. Again, I'm not sure what the extent of the injury is. But this linebacker group, that second unit, McDuffie and Wilson, I thought that they had solid performances over the last two days. Gotcha. Good stuff. It's a good thing they brought Wilson back, right? And I've always been a McDuffie fan. I, I think he's kind of underrated, especially on special teams. My goodness, can he uh, can he play special teams? Um, last question for you. As far as wide receivers and tight ends, you know, I think if I if I read correctly in your article, um, Christian Watson had two more touchdowns today. And then, of course, you mentioned Luke Musgrave earlier, and, it, and it's funny just going through the tweets and, and doing it kind of in a, in a quickly fashion. Um, it seemed like Musgrave had a bad day because that drop stood out. However, it sounds like he's still getting open, creating separation. Can we just talk about those two guys for a second before we let you go, Paul? Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave, kind of how have they looked the last two days? Yeah, I mean, Luke Musgrave, they're going to ride the ups and downs that come with relying on a rookie tight end just because of the impact he can have in the offense. I mean, he's such a matchup problem. I'm sure everyone saw the the Twitter clip of him running an end around, like how many tight ends are doing that. And going back to, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, Matt LaFleur said that, you know, tracking the guy's speed on the practice field, Luke Musgrave was in miles per hour, the fastest guy on the field during one of the practice days. So he's a matchup problem having him on the field. Obviously there's the opportunities he creates for himself, but the opportunities he creates for others with the spacing the defense has to have, the attention that he draws. So he's going to be a big part of the offense, a focal point of the offense. Uh, but again, there's going to be ups and downs, and drops have been something that he's had to work through here in training camp. And then as a blocker, when they do ask him to do that, again, it's been up and down. But that's just, as we know, what comes with relying on, on rookie tight ends heavily. As far as Christian Watson, I thought he had two very, very good days of practice. During the uh, two-minute drill on Wednesday, the Packers went for They started at their own 25. There's a minute 30 left on the clock. They worked down to New England's 23-ish, 24-ish yard line with about 10 seconds left, and they got there by passing to only Watson and only Dobbs the whole way. Wow. New England knew where the ball was going. And this is a, you know, a credit to Dobbs, too. They couldn't stop either of them. And what I really like what we're seeing with Christian is his impact is everywhere. Uh, we think we obviously with his speed, we think of the vertical presence, the big playability, but his versatility and Matt LaFleur has talked about it, lining up both inside and out, running a wide variety of routes and, you know, adding that component of versatility with his speed. I mean, he's really, really tough to cover. And we saw that over these last two days, I thought. So I thought it was a, a really impressive performance by him over the last two days. Awesome. I'll tell you what's, what else is encouraging. It seems like he's put on a little bit of muscle, which is very, very good. I mean, with that frame, six foot four, 
and having that kind of speed to be able to bulk up a little bit and just be, and his, it seems like his hands are a lot better this year. Are they not Paul? I mean, it, it seems mm -hmm. like he's a lot more consistent with the hands. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely been more comfortable out there. Uh, he's said, you know, just playing faster. And we see that a lot with your two guys that get comfortable with their responsibilities. There's less thinking, there's more acting. And one other comment that I'll make, even when he's not getting the ball, you see his, his gravity on the football field with the way he attracts defenders to him. And wow. there's been a couple plays like that, but I think one that you know everyone's probably seen is that touchdown in the Cincinnati game to Romeo Dobbs. It was cover one. Uh, Dobbs and Watson are on opposite sides, run out crossing routes. Safety goes with Watson, leaves Dobbs one-on-one. -on -one. Like that's just, even when he's not touching the ball and we saw that in that game, you know, you look at his stat line, I think it was a reception for three yards or whatever it was, but the impact goes beyond the stat sheet when you have a guy like that in your offense. And Absolutely. the same hopefully can be said for Luke Musgrave as well, who can bring a similar element to the tight end position. Yeah. Or even Jaden Reed, once he yep. uh, gets established. It's, we could we could talk all night, Paul. We're already over on time with you, buddy. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to keep you any longer. I really appreciate you. First of all, thank you for pushing this back a bit for me. Absolutely. Crazy day, and you still made it happen. I, I can't thank you enough. Again, that is Paul Brettel. You can find him on Twitter, at Paul underscore Brettel. He's, like I said, a contrib contributor at Packers Wire and also a writer for Dairyland Express. Paul, you're the best, buddy. We appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, Clayton. Take care. Yeah, have a good night. All right, that was Paul Brettel, like I said. Man, that dude is awesome. We're going to bring in another guy who's awesome, and that's Mr. Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Jacob, what would you think of Paul, man? I mean, uh, <clears throat> it's 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 kind of tough following and act like that, you know. <laughs> He's the best. Sure yeah, not sure how to follow that up. The guy is just uh, great insights. It's like, again, him, Andy Herman, you know, Bill Huber, a lot of those guys – Silverstein, those guys that just you kind of – those are your staples right there. Um, it was great to see him talking. And the one thing, though, I don't know if I maybe – I was kind of floating around. I got off work a little late, very tired as always. But I was trying to listen uh, as I'm walking around doing stuff. I love how you send me a text. Guys, this is how official we are and pro we are. Clayton <laughs> sends me a text like two minutes before. He's like, get ready. <laughs> exclamation points because it can see me walking around anyways it's <laughs> hey if somebody thinks we're professional they, that's their problem that's we're all pretty I good we're getting better come on <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, what i will say did you guys not did you highlight the fights did you highlight how many fights there were we i've got it in my notes i didn't want to waste paul's time talking about it okay but well, i know i got excited about it. <laughs> no, oh yeah we'll yeah. waste each other's time all day long WWE fights were going on all day <laughs> It was, uh, and it wasn't even like, <clears throat> it wasn't like, oh, it starts, you know, a little humble and then it gets weird. There were seven fights from what people can say, uh, the conglomerate, it's like seven fights. The first four out of five plays were apparently fights. Aaron Jones threw a punch today, apparently. So that tells you how heated it got. Um, I just, I, it, this is probably an important lesson because it sounds like just a spoiler alert. The Packers did not have the best of practices. Paul did a great job of highlighting, like, kind of what we did well and, you know, what maybe we should be humble or optimistic about. But it, if you read a lot of the other guys' stuff, and that's why I love Paul, because Paul's going to give you, like, a great spin and mm. give you all the information. But um, there was some things that were kind of a little bit lacking. You know, Love had an – 
off day. He started the day kind of looking pretty good. I think he was like three or four. He was taking a lot of the check downs. He was taking a lot of the easy throws. But it sounds like the Pats defense kind of showed up and it was a little bit of a polar opposite of what we saw from last uh, from yesterday. I mean, it, it was, but it, it was one of those situations where I feel like this team kind of needed it. And what was interesting, Clay, I think if you think about this, it'll make you as jacked up as I was. It sounded like the second fight that kind of sparked all the rest of them. You know, the first fight's the first fight. The second fight though was sparked, if I'm not mistaken, by Malik Heath again blocking a dude down into not quite the water cooler, but to the point where he blocked him into oblivion. And the other guys on the, on the Pats defense were like, yeah, well, I don't really appreciate that. And then after that, it went into, it went into, it, it progressed to the point where Aaron Jones threw a punch. I mean, I need you guys to understand yeah, how wrong there. <laughs> I'm just saying that's pretty cool. Uh, if you guys want to pump in anytime you want, but um, Bo Melton, that was one of those things. He's not practicing again. And it just is, we have so much talent right now at the late round or the late string wide receivers, <clears throat> specifically because it sounds like Heath has been shown out. DeBose has been shown out with the limited time that he's had. Samori is Samori. Um, so anyways, it's just, it's really, it's really tragic for me because I love Bo Melton. I'd love to see him be that sixth or seventh wide receiver. I just don't see that happening now just because of the fact he's not on the field. What do you always say, Clayton? You can't make the, Club. Can't make the club in the tub. There it is. All right. Yeah. So, um, do you want to take it over and talk about? Because I got notes for days, but we I don't yeah. want to start. Blowing. Let's do this. Let's go to Tim. Tim was uh, as I'm trying to dig something out of my eye. I don't know what happened here. We've got a special guest on the line with us too. I'm going to introduce him in a second, but I want to go to Tim. Tim was live in Green Bay today at practice, sending me the the best videos, man. Oh my God. I don't know what kind of camera you've got, Tim, but it's better than this Nokia brick phone I got. I promise you that. <laughs> How you been doing, Buck? Good, man. Thanks for having me on, Clayton. I appreciate it. I'm glad you uh you like the videos. I'm a I'm a Samsung Galaxy guy. So that's what uh that's what the footage uh was nice. shot on today at practice. So um yeah chippy might be an understatement today, huh boys? A lot of fights. Uh one of the best things I saw I think was um was when uh, we were doing some red zone drills down by my end of the field, and uh, the Patriots scored, and they did the old spin the ball on the ground finger gun celebration, uh -oh, and uh -oh. Anthony Anthony Johnson Jr. just ran up and Anders Carlson that ball over the fence. Actually, no. The rookie Anthony Johnson did. Yes, that? dude, came That's up and guy, just kicked, kicked his ball, and Come it bounced off, I believe, the scoreboard. <laughs> and that was pretty early. That was uh, kind of in between the first and second skirmish, I think. Um, but uh, it was, it, and you know what was cool was uh, we got to actually see uh, Jacob. I love this. Brenton Cox was in there, Ooh. and uh, in one of the scrums. And uh, probably got a little too extracurricular, and we got another trademark coach, Pisaccia F-bomb. Uh, get the blank out of there, Brenton, kind of, kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, the heat, the heat was up, man. The heat was up today at practice, man, for sure. Um, I tweeted about it earlier. I just The intensity level from both sides was just noticeable, uh, even compared to yesterday. So uh, a lot of, lot of stuff to talk about. Um, you know, hopefully uh, this was a good test for our guys. I'll tell you one thing. I just 
want to say this really quick. I can tell you whose name did not come up and who I personally saw avoiding the extracurricular BS was Quay Walker. And this is somebody that uh, we've talked about keeping his head and being cool and calm under pressure. So here's Quay out, you know, leading this linebacker group today with no Devondre Campbell. And uh, I saw several times where guys were giving him the extra shove or, you know, the inadvertent push in the back after the play. And Quay just kind of put his hands on his hip and backed away. And, you know, he was real cool uh, under all this pressure today. We did not hear or see his name and number involved in any of this, if I believe uh, correctly. So that's actually really awesome that you mentioned that. I put a uh, note in one of my notes. I was like seven fights. Somebody actually had their helmet thrown out of that like was, uh, Zay McDuffie. Yeah. Okay. Just and then they come uh, off, and then one of the Patriots guys just chucked it. I guess. And somebody <laughs> actually kicked McDuffie apparently while he was on the ground. So in my head, and I'm thinking, oh my god, Quay Walker is going to murder everyone. He's going to murder everybody. <laughs> and then the fact that you talked about that and said that he specifically like that is, I'm telling you guys, that is one of the best highlights. That is the most under like undersold highlights of the camp that people don't, it's not a stat line. It's nothing, but it's Quay Walker watching people get into seven fights. And he just goes, mm-hmm. you sure about that? Are you <laughs> sure <Yep>. about that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just I think it. that's amazing. Dude, that shows growth, man. I'm telling you, it's really guys are these stupid fights for no reason. I'm telling of you. Course, of course, Brenton Cox, he's got the resume, right? He, he got right in the scrum, right? He's got the resume for it. Listen, uh, Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was just going to say, I'll tell you this, man. Fr- from where I was, the New England side, uh, you would you would have swore Zeke Elliott has been a New England Patriot for 18 seasons, the way he was talking today. Um, he was, you know, Zeke's not a bad dude. I'm not going to say anything bad about, about him as a person. But when he's out there on the field in the heat of battle, man, he he was giving Jair a run for his money with the the lip service out there today. And uh, I'll tell you, our guys weren't having it after a while. And I think that was the catalyst to a lot of the the early chippiness was uh, Zeke got through on a couple of runs. And uh, again, uh, Paul Brettel alluded to this earlier. The, the refs were a little late on some blowing some of these dead today. There were a lot of uh, sacks that we didn't get credit for. And there were a lot of run stops that were allowed to, to progress a little longer than they should have. So, um yeah. The intangibles definitely tell a different story today when you look at the actual numbers. But uh, yeah, man, what a great what a great day to be at practice just to see that, man. It was That's incredible. Good stuff. good stuff. I want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat real quick. SoPro, John, Jesus of the Apes, Eric <laughs> Sutherland, Cheesehead Murph, Adam, uh, man, Texas Badger in the house. He said the Texas Badger has arrived. We got elevated shine. He'll, I promise you, he'll provide something funny tonight. There's, that's a guarantee. The man, the myth, the legend, Eric Sutherland, Janelle in the house. Just saying, Paul, Paul is just the facts reporter. That's, that's the best way to describe it. DJ Key, uh, Maria. All right. Um, let's see here. We got the number one Packer fan, and, and he really did sum it up here. He said, you know, the pack got smacked, but hey, it's football. I hope they learn from it and get super mean on the football field. You know, that's the thing, too. Like, if if all you're doing is having success on the practice field, you're probably not growing. It's kind of like the old Bill Walsh quote, you know, if we're all 
uh, if we're all thinking alike, nobody's thinking at all. If you're not messing up and, and there's not stuff to work on, it's probably because you're not stretching yourself. But yeah, we did get smacked around today. So I got us a little sound bite for that. This is this pretty much sums up what happened day two. We dominated day one, right? Day two, it was kind of like this. No, we suck again. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. (laughs) and you're going to have those ups and downs with this young football team. But I'm going to introduce somebody right now. I got excited when he hopped on here. Mr. Seth Ruder. Seth is the guy that actually won the Monday Night Football tickets last year, and we got to meet him at Lambeau Field. He's in a spaceship right now. that's Seth. That's Seth. Listen, when he talks, I want want everybody to close your eyes and tell me he doesn't sound like – what it won't sound the same on the computer. Tell me he doesn't sound like Patrick Mahomes. Oh no! <laughs> That's the first time I've been told that. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, yeah we got you, man. The video's a awesome. little choppy, but we can hear you good. Oh, sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. I've been trying to get on forever, and uh, I got a brand new baby boy at home, so it's been a little crazy, but uh found the time tonight. But um, great to hang out. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Hey, let me ask you. 
Go ahead. This is the Seth we met at the uh, with Justin at the luncheon or the luncheon, like the dinner before we went to the night game at the Rams game. This is him. This is him, man. This Yo, is the same cat. You're looking slim down. Okay, now I can see it. Now I just got a picture. It <laughs> came in focus, right? Like or four layers. <laughs> and all yeah, that. yeah all it's right. funny, man. Uh, as soon as as soon as we got through eating at at uh, God, what was it called? Uh, was it oh, DK's? What was the name of the place That's that we ate? At. DK. Uh, yeah, and then they had like a back alley tunnel. I felt like I was going out to the field. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, as soon as we got through eating, we walked outside. We're on our way to the game. We kind of split up for a second or whatever. And <laughs> Mandy said, "He sounds just like Patrick Mahomes." <laughs> That's <what she> said. <laughs> I was like, "I, I oh, get it." Great. Midwest well, Patrick Mahomes. I'll tell you this. We're going to get backed up on callers tonight. We already got Andy in the hopper. Andy, thanks you for being patient, buddy. We'll get you in here in a second. Um, Seth, what are you excited about this year, man? I haven't had a chance to talk to you. Gosh, we've, we've communicated a little bit on Facebook and Twitter, but for the most part, we haven't talked much about this season. What are you excited to see this year, man? What, what are you looking forward to the most? Yeah, I'm just excited for the young team and the culture change. And, of course, uh, excited to see what love's about, but you know, there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, on some position battles of, do you go with the young guy? Do we bring in a vet, you know, tight end position, whatnot. And, uh, I think I just want to see us roll with young guys for the most part. Um, and just see that growth. You know, I'm really hoping that this team, you know, if we could get eight wins, nine wins, I'd be jacked. I'm, I'm hoping this is a Super Bowl team in two, three years. Um, and so that's what I'm looking for, but I'm just excited. I mean, that first love touchdown, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, <laughs> and you know, it'd be great if he just threw in an, I own you right away to the, to the all the bears fans there in soldier. Uh, but uh, no, that's, that's what I'm most excited for me. And I just can't wait for it. Yeah. It's definitely a new generation of players. There's no doubt about that, man. No doubt. Um, awesome. Is there, is there any questions you got or, or any other comments or anything before we let you go? Yeah, you know, I got I, I got a one one maybe two questions if we have time. And the first one goes quick. My first one is I've been trying to cook up my own fifty three over here based on the notes we've been seeing and whatnot. And uh, I really want to keep seven wide receivers. I I uh, I think he's been too good to not make it, but I do not want to see Melton go either. What do you guys What do you guys think's gonna happen? You think there's any chance of seven, or do you think Melton gets cut? Man, I personally, I'll, I'll go first. I personally think it's going to be six. I think that's the number they settle on. And and when it comes to six, I I I would, I know a lot of people like Bo Melton, and I don't think he's a bad player. But for me, man, I don't know, dude. Watching, <laughs> watching our boy block the other night that Emilio threw out there. Um, gosh, his name's who? Who was it, Jacob? Who was it? The receiver that blocked the. Uh, Keith, Keith. I can never remember his name. Watching him block that guy all the way out to the bus stop, bro, was just like <laughs> that no dude way. probably going to earn a roster spot. Now, you got to understand, he was highly recruited from what I understand uh, going into college, and I think he played for Mississippi State or Ole Miss, and he got kicked off the team. So you're seeing – you're kind of seeing this common theme here on this Packers team. It's like, okay, you – you got kicked off two teams, come play for us. It, it sounds like we're, I don't know, we're just going out and recruiting a bunch of goons, and I'm all about it, man. Let's, well, you've seen it today. We broke the record, I think, for fights in one practice. But anyway, um, yeah, for me, though, I would much rather have Malik Heath than Bo Melton, although Bo Melton, if you can get him on the practice squad, stash him away for sure. So you're a big Bo Melton fan. Is that right, Seth? I am, but I think he's been too good to, to cut Heath, and I think everyone one through five is locked in. 
Um, so I, if they don't keep seven, I don't think Melton makes it. I think that's what I've kind of come to the conclusion on. Gotcha. And like the Morick in the chat says, uh, he kind of thinks du- Dubose will be over Melton. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It's it, really, once you get beyond Wicks on that depth chart, anything could happen. We've seen that yeah. in the past for sure. Um, what's your other question there? And I'll let Jacob take this one or Tim. Yeah. You know, um, here, I got like five written down, so I'm trying to choose one here a minute for you guys. Um, I got all my notes because this is my first time on. Here, I'm going to go with this one. So Ryan's been talking a lot on the pod about how they've been tweaking Jordan Love's. They've been trying to work with him on the deep balls, trying to get more air under it. And I think LaFleur talked about that post-game um, after the first preseason game. And uh, I get that they're trying to make him you know, perfect his technique and stuff, but I don't I'm getting to the point that I don't think now's the time anymore. I think they got to start rolling with whatever he's got into this season with, with the exception of a few things, but I, um, he's not going to be perfect this year. And I just don't want him to be thinking too much out there. I just want him to play. Um, so what do you guys think about that? Do you agree with that? Or you want him to keep tweaking all the way through the season? Go ahead, Jacob. (sighs) When you say tweaking, I mean, like, are you talking about his, his foot, work his drop his release or are you talking about just the fact that like he should be throwing at certain receivers at certain times because i've been seeing that he's making the reads the right way he's going through his progressions he's not forcing the run but if he needs to run he can do it what i would say more that he needs to do is just the inconsistency the stuff where we see it. it's like we talked about it today yeah. man like I, the first way i believe it was what was the stat it's like it's uh the two minute drill third and something it's the first play of the two minute drill instant pick you know to whoever it was on the patriots it's like okay but then yesterday the guy looks like he's the next coming of you know a steve young incarnate i guess now there's three who's i guess we don't have a a example for that because there's no three in a row three pete there but i um i guess i'm not i'm not too worried about it it's just if i can go back though to one thing you talked about with the receivers when you talk about Malik Heath, like that dude is just, he has to make the team in my opinion. And the only reason I think we maybe would keep seven is if this Devondre Campbell thing is real. And if we trust that Clay can take over that number one, uh, you know, middle Mike guy. And if we have either Isaiah McDuffie, and if we trust that Eric Wilson can really take those snaps, then that opens up another spot for maybe, I don't know. And that edge room is deep. The freaking wide receiver room is deep. The safety room is very unknown. Who knows what those could be? Do we keep four? We keep five? We keep six? I have no idea. The cornerback room, you could keep, you could argue that Valentine needs to be in the starting lineup, not even necessarily like a backup. And so the, the whole carousel is very, I think, going to change depending on, and I hate to say it because it's probably going to happen and I hope it doesn't, but injuries until we get into week one. This whole thing, depending on, God forbid, something happens, could completely take a turn in a way that we have no idea. So it is good to have all these guys in the hopper, like you talked about, at wide receiver, at edge, at cornerback, and then that weird carousel of safety that we have. But it is an optimistic and a weird, like, calm feeling of, like, I know there's panic and there's weird things going on, chaos, but at the same time, it's like, Whatever our starting lineup goes in, I feel like I kind of trust them in a way, yeah. and that's 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 not normal for me. Right? 
So. Yeah, but as far as Jordan Love and you talking about, you know, just kind of letting him – the way I took it, Seth, you just want to see him let him go out there and t- let it rip, right, man? Just kind of yeah, don't sure. overthink it, right? And and he's already got one of the most important aspects of the game down. It's something that Greg Cosell talks about all the time. You know, people use the term processing. He processes the game, right? He can, he can process at the quarterback position. And really what Greg Cosell breaks it down to is elimination and isolation. You're going to eliminate what's, what's – uh, you know – you're going to basically eliminate what they're not doing, right, when you come to the line of scrimmage, and then you're going to isolate the matchup that you have based off of that look, right? And Love seems to be doing that. It's very rare, at least from what I've read of camp notes, do we see something where it's like, oh, they caught Love off guard there. Now, he might be inaccurate, right? He may miss a throw here or there, but as far as processing the game, doing that elimination and isolation aspect of reading the defense, I think he's done an excellent job. I'm excited to see what he does. But, yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. Don't try to perfect the form. Just go out there, let it rip this year, see what we got, let him play comfortable. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. Anything else before we let you go, buddy? We got Andy in here now. Andy's going, what in the world did I get on here to sit all night? <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, I got some more stuff for you guys, but uh, let's uh, let's let Andy go. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll drop and I'll try to jump on again soon. Yeah, definitely. We need to have you back on, buddy, for sure. It's, hey, it's so good to see you, Seth, man. Hey, yeah, Seth, great to game, see you guys, too. Thanks for having me. That game was a blast, dude. I'm glad you got to go with oh, us, Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll see you, bud. See you, guys. Thank you. Uh, that was Seth. I think Seth's out in the Midwest somewhere. I should have asked him. I believe it's like Kansas or something. I could be wrong. But yeah. Tim's over there going, man, I, I'm just washing the dishes, dude. I'm, I'm getting all kinds of stuff done tonight. But we got Andy Pack in the house here, man. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, we're doing good, man. We're just over here talking about joint practice spots and all that good stuff. Uh, all the stuff we love to hear about, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's what's important this time of year, right? Um, <laughs> okay, it, right. It, I love the fact that there were fights. That way it covers up the, you know, the uh, the whole thought of us getting our rear end kicked at that, you know, tonight, last, or, you know, today. So it's good to see uh, something else kind of take the the spotlight away from that. But what's your, uh, your big takeaway from here lately, Andy, as far yeah. as training camp, man? Yeah, I love what I've been seeing from uh, an attitude perspective. Uh, I think that getting into those fights, not being pushed around, not allowing yourself to be uh, sort of bullied is something we kind of needed. There's a lot of talk. Um, I didn't really take too much stock into it, but a lot of fans did that the team was, quote, soft. I hate when that word gets thrown around because there's nothing soft about being a football player. Uh, But, uh, you know, that word got thrown around and and finesse got thrown around with the offense. And uh, I'm glad that we're punching people in the face when they deserve to be punched in the face. (laughs) It's always a good thing, right, Tim? Sorry, I'm over here, like, totally agreeing. I I was on mute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> taking taking notes but yeah man we we talked about that last month right we want to see some piss and vinegar so sure. it's it's good to see that and um yeah I, I agree with andy man don't don't be pushed around especially not on ray Nitschke field in our in our facility in front of our fans we're not going to stand <laughs> for it <laughs> practice or not we don't give a damn right no doubt about it the number Absolutely. one packer fan said Packers going to be the bad boy pistons from back in the old nba days man <laughs> That's back when I watched the NBA. I can't stand it today, but back, boy, I'm telling you, late '80s, early '90s, I was glued to the TV. Man, we had the, the little antennas. We walked up uh, uphill both ways to school, all that good stuff, man. God, the bad boy Pistons. Can I? Can I comment? I can, on all that I can thing? remember is is Isaiah Thomas 
and Michael Jordan just trying to kill each other every time they played against each other. It was just <laughs> that was good old days. And Bill Lambeer trying to kill everyone else, right? <laughs> yeah, including the refs. <laughs> Any, anything that moved, Bill Lambeer had a target on him. <laughs> everyone trying to kill Reggie Miller. That was pretty much a thing. Reggie just had one of those <laughs> – those personas, though, it's like, yeah, we can bully him, right? That's, I don't know. You got, you got Charles Oakley, you got Charles Barkley, and Michael Jordan, mean mug, and everybody, and all these just, just I don't know, goons, I guess you could say. And then you got Reggie Miller, look like he's out there about to do somebody's taxes. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> nineties. Anyways, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys about real quick. Um, where was I, real quick? Uh, the whole thing about the, the the second team offense apparently was looking a little bit better than the first team offense, and there was apparently a Hail Mary play from our boy Brett Favre Jr., a.k.a. Sean Clifford, with like, I think it was like 20 to 27. It was the two-minute drill. You think God never farted? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Jacob. Okay. And homie threw it up, and it was one of those things like a Hail Mary last-minute throw, and it got deflected off of a um, off a defender, and then Cody Cress, I believe, caught it for a touchdown to win. Oh, you would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, there wasn't. It wasn't all bad. There was a few cool things that happened. Sounds like Tucker Craft uh, had a couple good balls. He also did get hurt for a couple series and then came back and seemed like he was okay. Um, the offensive line, all in all, looked good for the Packers. Tay Wicks, as well as our guy Malik Heath, had some great running block seals, I guess. So it's not all bad. It was a bad day. Sometimes it's going to happen. And to think about this, think about this. If we were able to take over a Bill Belichick offense slash defense slash team, would it be crazy to think that the next day Bill Belichick probably went home and he was like, oh, my God, and he didn't sleep, and he just put on <laughs> six pots of coffee or whatever the hell else he does. He cut off all the sleeves on all the sweatshirts that night, and all he did was just sit there and be like, I'm going to make their lives horrible. And he probably took it personally, and he probably <laughs> – all the game plan out that he did that he was trying to hide for the next season just because he felt so disrespected. I'm just saying it's <laughs> not a bad thing for Bill Belichick to make adjustments. And then I have in my notes, can Matt LaFleur make adjustments? He talked about how he brought Bill Belichick in to learn little things. Well, a big thing is making second freaking half adjustments. So can you learn that? Because that'd be cool. <laughs> that sounds nice. Um, I'll tell you another some more good news. Uh, Bakhtiari yeah. returned today, and also Kenny Clark returned. They said, um, Andy, what what's what are you kind of excited about, man? As far as uh, this season, I I don't want to put oh, you I'm, on the spot. If you feel comfortable giving a prediction, I've got, do I've it. got a scorching hot take already. Oh, um, I First think all, I want to know your win loss total. Win loss. Total. Okay, so win loss is not scorching hot. I'm. Pretty conservative with where I'm at there. Probably 10, 11 wins is where I'm sitting, Bro, um, which is which is pretty good. I think we're winning the division as well. Um, I'm not buying the Lions hype quite yet. We'll see how it pans out early in the season, I suppose. But my scorching hot take is that Luke Musgrave is going to break the um, Packers record for yards for a tight end as a rookie. And he's going to be in the top three for uh, NFL history rookie tight end seasons uh, for yardage. I don't think he's going to get the do touchdowns. <laughs> I don't think he'll get the touchdowns, but I do think he's going to get the yards. They've just been using him so much that I don't see a, I don't see a world in which um, Matt LaFleur doesn't go into sicko mode and, and start drawing up these insane plays for this mis mismatch nightmare uh, that he has drafted. 
at the tight end position. I'm just so excited to see that guy play, man. It's going to be fun. No doubt about it, man. Um, you know, something that Paul Brettel said, and we'll let you go, Andy. We appreciate you jumping on, man. But he said Luke Musgrave will have up and ups and downs, but they're gonna they're gonna have him involved. There's no doubt about it. They're gonna force him into this role and just trial by fire. So uh anything else you got before we let you go, man? Yeah. So before I leave, uh, answer this when I'm gone. Uh I'm curious because last year I got really, really hyped up about our defense. And it turned out to not be as – I mean, it was good in the beginning, and then it turned out to kind of falter. Uh, how much faith are you guys putting in the defensive line specifically? Because through all the joint practices and through all of training camp, they have been dominating no matter who's out there. And that's without Rashawn Gary, which is kind of scary. So I'm yeah. just my, – my leaving question to you guys is uh, – my parting question is – how much do you buy the defensive line hype? And is Rashawn Gary going to have ten sacks uh, on eight, eight to uh, eight to twelve games? We'll call it. It's how much are you buying the defensive line hype, and why is Rashawn Gary going to have ten sacks? That's the proper way of asking that question, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, um, Take it easy. Thanks for having me on. No, absolutely, Andy. You drop in any time, buddy. Take care. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as the defensive line, I'm buying in, guys, and I'll tell you why. It's that five game saturation that I watched at the end of the year last year. T.J. Slayton, I'm telling you, something changed on those last few games. Tim, when I turn on that tape, especially against Detroit too, but he and Devontae White, it, something must have happened because Jaron Reed left the game about midway through the either first or second quarter, and Devontae White took all those reps. And you could see T.J. Slayton eating double teams, and then when he would get penetration, then you would see Devontae Wyatt eating double teams, and Kenny was getting singled up, but they were kind of scheming away from Kenny. Um, I don't know. Are you buying into the defensive line hype, uh, Tim, um, after these uh, two joint practices, everything we've seen so far in training camp? Uh, yeah, and I will absolutely buy in all the way up until there's a reason not to because, you know, to your point last year, I think what we saw is, you know, Devontae Wyatt was probably hungry to get some snaps. And every opportunity he was able to get some snaps, we saw those flashes. We also saw guys kind of gelling together, uh, getting used to uh, playing with each other in that front. And now you look at this season and, you know, the bulk of everything I've been seeing has been Coach Montgomery working with this D-line group. I've seen this D-line group staying late after practice continuously, working on technique, working on their skills, led by Kenny Clark. Yes, great to see him back on the field today. Um, I, I am totally buying in uh, to this defense, especially the guys up front this year. And you're right, something, maybe a lot of little things changed. You know, um, you know guys can hit their stride at different times. You know, when you make a team and, you, you know, that's a, an accomplishment in and of itself when you're a young player and then let alone getting snaps in the regular season to build any kind of momentum. I think right now we're seeing this group is just gelling together and they're embracing, you know, the process. They're trusting the process and they're putting in the work. So I don't see any reason why this is not going to translate onto the field this year. I totally believe in the D. Yeah, I think all the talk, all the hype that, that came out of training camp last year was just one year too early. I think it's it's here now. I, I really feel mm -hmm. like, you know, last year hearing people talk about in the training camp, then we see the preseason games and, and just kind of, I don't know, seeing the training camp footage that we had a little bit that, that leaked out. I didn't go, yep, that, that's going to be a dominant defensive line. This year, 
I'm feeling like, okay, this is this is probably going to be the year. Of course, you don't have Dean Lowry, you don't have Jaron Reed eating all those uh, all those reps up. You know, another thing that Paul Brettle said too earlier, the edge room. He's he's. I mean, he you could hear it in his voice. This edge room is deep, and he said one person that nobody's talking about is Enigbare. Um, he started today opposite Preston Smith. About how he's had a great camp, man. When you're talking about being three and four deep at edge defense at, at the edge position. And then also on the defensive line, having one or two backups that you're excited about. Oh, by the way, Lucas Van Ness possibly playing some interior defensive line in those nickel positions. Just really exciting. But like Texas Badger asked here, are we okay if Campbell is out for a while? Do we look at free agent signing if he's going to be out? I think they're probably going to stay in-house like Goody always does. I don't think there's going to be a free agent out there that they can just bring in and and kind of save the day. I'm not going to sugarcoat that aspect, Jacob. If Devondre Campbell misses significant time for whatever reason, he's in a boot and on a scooter right now that they said, I think they said Matt Schneiden mentioned it in the locker room, um, that he's seen it in the locker room. If Devondre Campbell misses time, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. That It was direct correlation with Devondre Campbell missing time last year that the defense began to struggle. But what do you think about the the, the question there from Texas Badger? Would you rather go out and get a free agent, or do you trust um, McDuffie and uh, and some of these guys to back up? You know, Wilson, possibly Tariq Carpenter, which he returned to practice today too as well. But what do you think, man? Um, I mean, that's a big just caveat is you say free agent. Which free agent, you know? Um yeah. Who is out yep. there? Give me their, give me their history. Give me their, <clears throat> their knowledge of what we do on defense. So in that aspect, if there's a free agent that you think we could maybe snipe off of somebody's practice squad or something like that, that maybe we have potential in that in four or five weeks, maybe we can get him in the rotation. And if he shows promise there, we can get him in the lineup. Okay, that's one thing. But if you're talking about replacing Devondre Campbell, the guy that doesn't he have the green dot? Isn't he the middle linebacker, the quarterback of the defense? So if he's not there, that automatically has to go to Quay. And I'd yep. assume the secondary duties go to immediately Isaiah McDuffie. I, I'm, I'm honestly kind of comfortable with him because he's been there. He's He knows the defense. He's went through the camps. He's now in his second, at least, if not third year, I believe, of with the team. And after that, I do trust Eric Wilson because he's shown that um, he is the best special teams, literally, player in the NFL multiple years in a row, or at least in the top five, I believe it was. And he actually had decent snaps with Minnesota. He showed that he had to come in and I believe replace a certain amount. I can't, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had decent snaps. PFF graded him out as a pretty decent linebacker. So that being said, I think that, yeah, I'd like to stay in-house, probably go and get a, a free agent signing of some sort. Like I said, try to snipe somebody off another another person's cutting them down, you know, cutting down another 53. If we can do that, that'd be great. Get him in, see that potential. The Vikings, you know, we've talked about maybe having some Vikings, um, like Paul, you know, bad luck Paul from my podcast, maybe talking about just what's going on in the Vikings offseason right now. They have a guy, I can't remember his freaking name. It's like Ivan something, something. He's a UDFA, the linebacker. I guess he's going to walk on and be a starting linebacker with them. He's he's apparently showing ridiculous amounts of flash all around the field. So, you know, the Vikings, they can do two things, draft linebackers, edge players, and wide receivers. They just can't win Super Bowls, but whatever. Um, so, you know, I'm just excited for what we have in the hopper. I don't, I'm not exactly worried about the linebacker position because, one, our edge is so deep. Our cornerback position is so deep. And the safety position, I don't want to call it deep, but it's rotational. So, I don't know. That's that's basically my answer for that. Got it. Got it. Um, Tim, 
One thing that Paul Brittle wrote in his article, he said that Jaden Reed looks so comfortable returning punts that he's just he's a natural as a punt returner. Did you get to catch any special teams as far as punt returns go while you've been at practice? Did you uh, have you seen, you know, maybe in comparison how mu- how many punt returns Jaden Reed's getting in comparison to Keyshawn Nixon? Because that that is one thing I, th- I think a lot of people miss. Keyshawn Nixon was an amazing kick returner but he was kind of mediocre when it came to punt return, right? And Jaden mm-hmm. Reed was an excellent punt returner at Michigan State. Did you get, did you see any of those reps by chance, Tim? Absolutely. Um, I, I believe I mentioned this a um, few shows back with you guys. We were talking about the fact that compared to last year, um, the amount of drops we saw uh, in special teams was just – there was just too many. And it's like this year it's the polar opposite. I think there's been a few peppered in here and there. Um, but Jaden Reed is not one of the guys I saw dropping punts. Um, and as far as uh, Keyshawn, Keyshawn is getting the, the uh, you know, the reps. It's basically him and Reed when it comes to the punts um, with a little bit of uh, Samari Toure sprinkled in there a little bit as well. But I honestly, my, my personal take on it is I, I'd love to see Keyshawn returning kicks. And uh, if he's going to play in the slot or he's going to play more defensive snaps this year, I don't want to see him have to grind out a series and then hop back there and return a punt. Um, You know, he's an explosive dude. Let's let's keep his legs as fresh as we can on the return game. Um, So and to your point, Clayton and Paul's point, Jaden Reed looks like he doesn't look like a rookie (laughs) when when he does certain things. He really doesn't. And and. uh, you know, he's one of those guys early on that I put that that superstar kind of watch watch out possible superstar here, and uh, Jaden Reed certainly fits the bill. He looks poised. Um, he's fast and athletic, but he's in control. That's what makes him so good as a runner. Once that ball's in his hands, is he has such absolute control over his body and a note good spatial awareness. Um, he, he's very slippery, so you know you got speed. He's elusive. He's got good hands. I mean, Jaden Reed's my pick for punts. Um, and, you know, you, you can always put Keish on there uh, in a pinch, but uh, I love Jaden Reed as a punt returner. Anything we can do to get him more reps on the field this year is going to be something I'm on board with for sure. Definitely. And, you know, especially like if, if you get in a situation where you're running a couple base plays and only one nickel spot, right, and then you get a stop, and say Keyshawn, say it was a, a third and one, and you had your thirty-four base out there, and you get the you get the stop. Yeah, run Keyshawn out there, let him return the punt. But if it's a situation where it's a seven-eight play drive, and they get a penalty, get backed up, and they have to punt, and he's been out there on the field for six of those eight snaps, throw Jaden Reed back there, give him a spell, right, and see if Absolutely. he can catch. And you're right about the the balance, the body control. That him high pointing that crosser, man, in Cincinnati was just. I mean, he could not have timed it any better. He absolutely high pointed that ball like a pro. A um, couple of things I want to hit on. I'm, I'm going to ask your parting thoughts here, Jacob. This episode absolutely freaking flew by. Um, Jordan Love, out of the three practices so far, one in Cincinnati, two with the New England Patriots. Here are his numbers. Okay, y'all ready for the hard truth? They are, and and I personally think these numbers are more important than preseason, guys. These are where the coaches get together and they're scheming up to make this as difficult as possible. They're wanting to work on specific things. These are true game time situations, way more than the preseason games are. We love the preseason games because it's real, it's real football, right? But these right here, these numbers, 
in my opinion, these these are going to be a little bit lower than what you're probably going to see Jordan do in an NFL game because it, it is scripted in a way to make it as difficult as possible against arguably the greatest head coach, the greatest defensive coach in the history of the game, Bill Belichick, right? So one practice against the Bengals, by the way, made it to the AFC Championship last year, two practices against the Patriots. Jordan Love was 48 of 91 for 52.7% completion percentage, 532 yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, 82.3 rating, okay? Now, like Paul Brettel said, I think he said they had seven pass breakups today, okay? That's not Love missing the, missing the mark. That's good coverage, breaking, breaking the pass up, right? And then on top of that, you're playing against a team that had the second most interceptions last year, and the fact that he comes out of those three practices, the two, you know, with the Patriots as well, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, guys, that's that two-to-one ratio we're talking about. I know the completion percentage isn't pretty. I got you. It, you're going to see that increase more than likely. So let's say he he gets up around 60%. And if you double those numbers and say that's over the course of – if you triple them and say that's over the course of, you know, an entire season, what do you got there? You've got what? 21 touchdowns and nine interceptions. What have we been saying? You give me 25 and 10, and this is probably a playoff team. I believe that because they're going to lean on the run, and I think they've got a stout defense to compete. The other thing, too, was Christian Watson. Two touchdowns today, one on a post route, another on a jump ball. And the thing that Paul Brettel pointed out that really just it lit me up like a Christmas tree, he said, even when he doesn't get the ball, he has an impact. He's constantly taking coverage away. He pointed out that touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs, Jacob, in Cincinnati, where it was a double crosser, and Jordan just dropped back and said, okay, whoever the safety goes with, I'm throwing to the other crosser. And what did the safety do? They seen number nine and said, like Jair, that boy fast. And they stuck on him, little, little you know, a touch pass to Romeo Dobbs for six. I'm telling you, man, Christian Watson, this camp, not enough people are talking about him because we're excited about Luke Musgrave. We're excited about Jaden Reed. We're excited about seeing what Jordan Love can do. Christian Watson has had a a very quiet, very, very, very good camp. He really has, man. But uh, parting thoughts, Jacob. No, that that's a good point. And I think the people it's, – it's so weird that people are sleeping on Christian Watson when he showed one of the most amazing performances from week 10 to 18 last year in any aspect you look at. It. You want to look at it through a fantasy lens, through just a, a – a, regular football lens or a statistical lens through the ability to almost literally drag the Packers organization into the playoffs had Rogers not, you know, whatever, if the Packers had not fallen apart in that last freaking game of the year, you know, and, and to think about the fact that we're going in with a defense, we've talked about it. We have eight first round draft picks. There's no reason that this team shouldn't be better for all the reasons. Again, we've talked about the edge deep, positional rotation the cornerback deep positional rotation if the linebackers are healthy we have some scary fast coverage ability linebackers and uh, oh Ivan Pace Jr. was the guy I was talking about thank you Morak um, about the random Vikings guy that's showing out but I'm more excited I guess about the uh, just the 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 people that are sleeping on Jordan Love he's not a wild inconsistent quarterback and I'll even argue the fact that all of you look at all the the I know Ryan hates the near completions, but most of them are not being underthrown. They're being overthrown. And I'll argue that it's better to be overthrown because Love is consciously, if the, if the mass statistical majority of all of his throws are overthrows that are just barely there or they're just out of his reach. Again, I know Ryan doesn't like that, but 
that means that he's putting a ball where the wide receiver is the only one that can actually make the play. And I like that about him. So, and if you look at the fact that according to even like the most harsh critics as of now, I think he has seven turnover worthy plays, seven turnover worthy throws, I should say. And only five of them got intercepted. I believe that I read a couple stats that, that Tua threw like five in a single practice that Baker threw like nine within two days that, that even Rogers last year had thrown like 10 in a single practice. Cause he's just testing stuff that I've seen that a lot of these quarterbacks have thrown much more than five overall interceptions, let alone seven interception worthy plays throughout practice. So it shows like Paul Brettel said, like Andy Herman's talked about, he's going through his reads. He's making his progressions. He's not forcing throws. If he's throwing them incomplete, he's literally leading them to a point where no one's going to catch it or the wide receiver is going to catch it. I like that. Yeah. Our showers in the chat said still much more worried about our safeties. Do we even have one legitimate starter that would uh, start on any top half NFL team? I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I can sit here and blow smoke up your rear end showers, but I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I'm baffled that Rudy Ford can't crack that starting lineup in camp. I mean, I, I really expected him to be the starting safety. We're going to see, man. We're going to see. Maybe Jonathan Owens will surprise us. You guys have heard me talk about this quarter's coverage um, and talking about how, you know, it, it really deters teams from taking those shot plays. Therefore, what was the big weakness last year? If you turn on the tape, guys, it was safeties tackling. Savage and Amos were horrible in tackling. Jonathan Owens, right? Not a great PFF grade, didn't grade out that well, but one of the better tackling safeties in the league. I think that's what they're trying to patch up there. We'll see how how it uh, how it unfolds. But yeah, I think it's warranted, showers. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's uh, you know uh, abnormal to feel that way. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, let's go here. We got us a uh, a super chat, and it's Mr. John Benson. John, appreciate the support, buddy. Thank you so much. He said, "How the hell are we gonna get Valentine on the field, dude? Any way possible." Any way possible. Um, when Rasul said that he was the safety yesterday, I'm th- I'm starting to think he might have been BSing us. But if you put Rasul at safety and you put Valentine in on the boundary, I would be I would be much like who was it that said it earlier? I think it was John or Eric Sutherland when he was talking about Reed here. He said Reed played 20 minutes up the road for me, and I'm still smiling like a pig in stuff with that draft pick. If you put Valentine in at the boundary and put Russell Douglas at safety, man, John, I would be I would be over the freaking moon. But I, I'm we always talk about rookies that pop, Tim. Every single camp, man. Every camp there is a rookie that just kind of emerges, and most of the time, it's just hype. Right by the time the regular season gets here, Valentine feels different, dude. How would you put him on the field, Tim? Am I wrong thinking you'd like to see Russell at safety? How would you get Valentine on the field? And do you think it warrants getting him on the field? And again, John, thank you so much for the support, man. We appreciate you. Tim. Sorry, brother. Stuck on mute. Uh, <laughs> uh, with, with Carrington Valentine, um, yeah, uh, man, I, I'm with you. If they do move Sewell to safety, I mean, sticking him in that, that boundary role. Um, but Carrington Valentine, we can say a lot of things like we just said about Jaden Reed, you know, like the, sometimes doesn't look like a rookie, <laughs> sometimes looks like he's really, you know, ready to play at this level. And I don't know. I know we're seeing I saw it today with my own eyes, heavy, heavy dose of Keyshawn Nixon in the slot a lot today. So that's clearly where 
where we're going to be looking to see him play a lot. So, yeah, I don't know with this cornerback room, you know, or do we explore <laughs> Carrington Valentine moving to safety? I mean, I, I don't know. The thing with Rasul Douglas going there is I just don't – I guess I don't know until we'll see it. We haven't really seen him play in space, you know, like – um but like to your point, if you combine him with, you know, a tackler like a Jonathan Owens or somebody like that, and you let Sewell kind of fly around and be a playmaker back there, it could probably work out. But uh, safety is definitely a concern. Um, I, I totally agree. And it kind of brings me to a point I wanted to make earlier when we were talking about middle linebacker. I'm I'm a little slightly more concerned now because Tariq Carpenter is looking to me like a guy who's still still learning that position, still learning how to think and play like a, like an inside linebacker there. And uh, so, which tells me with the injury to Devondre Campbell and, you know, depth at middle linebacker, clearly we're probably not going to see Tariq Carpenter going back to safety anytime soon. So what does that mean for the safety room? Do we have to get creative and dip into our, our cornerback group and, and see who we can move around? So I, I don't know, but anything to get, that Kentucky Wildcat out there on the field. I'm with it, Clayton. I'm I'm with you. I don't know. Boundary, slot, whatever. Anything. Uh, put him, put anything, him in man. Package. Get him out there. Let's let's have him return some punts. See what he can do. <laughs> I mean he he just seems like a natural, man. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we looked up at the end of the year and go, man, it was just a flash. It wasn't real. But also, man, there's just something something feels different about it. And again, <clears throat> I've been very honest about this game. Coming out of college, I wasn't one going, oh, we got us one there because they forced him to play off and play kind of soft at Kentucky last year. Um, and just seeing him kind of playing up on the line here in preseason, you really see his ability showcase. Uh, number one Packer fans had just had a great conversation with a Vikings fan in the grocery store in my small town in South Kakalaki. That's South Carolina for those of you up north. We both agree the Bears still suck. That's what I'm talking about, unifying with rivals because you hate another rival just a little bit more, man. That's what it's all about. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything else here, man. I know the chat, of course, is lighting up. we got more people on here now than we have all night, and we're at the hour and 13-minute mark, so we're going to have to wrap this thing up. Um, let's see here. Douglas is a corner, a high-end corner. Having uh, having Carrington Valentine is a huge plus, but it doesn't mean you should move someone, in my honest opinion. Yeah, that seems to be uh, the more popular opinion for sure. Um, I don't know how else you get Carrington on the field, man. I really don't. So, uh, all right, guys, we're going to wrap this up again. So many, uh, so many chats we're not going to be able to get to. It's why I always try to tell you guys, Hey man, let's stop chatting. Cause I, I don't want you guys to, to top anything in and, and us not be able to read it, but Ryan's going to kill me. We're an hour and 13 minutes. I always blame Ryan. Y'all like that. Don't you? That's the way it works, man. So, uh, yeah, any anything else you guys got, Jacob? I know you got to run, man. I appreciate your time, buddy. Tim, you got anything else before we wrap up, bub? Nah, man. Go, Pat. Go. Get out of here, guys. We're there, already over. <laughs> tomorrow, not a joint one, I know, but is there a, just a walkthrough or anything like that? My suspicion is there's a practice or a walkthrough. It's just not public. Yeah. Um, gotcha. I'm sure they'll do something light heading into Saturday's game. So, Okay. Gotcha. Tim, you going to be with us for a post game? Uh, I've got some family coming up this weekend. I'm going to oh, do my best. come on. No, We're going to go to the game. How dare um, you put family first? Yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. If I can get somewhere quiet um, after the game, I would love to give you uh, a few minutes for sure. Yeah, just um, call in if you can. That'd be fun. 
Absolutely. It's going to be lit up. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I'm. I don't know if we're prepared for the traffic that's going to roll through this stream because last time it was it was crazy. It got crazy quick. So it's going to be quick calls one after another. Bang, bang, bang. We're going to try to hit on the stats and all that good stuff. So hopefully we'll be talking about some more uh, Sean Clifford show. I think that would be fun. I want to see Dontavian Wicks too. I want to see Carrington Valentine. I love preseason, man. So many good young players on this team. But, again, everybody in the chat, please understand we appreciate you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us this evening. You always make the show better. And uh, we're going to get out of here. For those of you listening on the pod, um, we really appreciate you making us a part of your day. Um, we don't take that lightly. Everybody on YouTube, uh, all you got to do is scan that QR code in the upper left. That will send you to Packernet Podcast. Make sure you check it out. Um, awesome content there from Ryan Schlipp and the gang. So uh, be sure and give that. A, a follow and a listen. Also, if you like this kind of content, subscribe to the channel. We appreciate it. It definitely helps boost our numbers and, and get us up there toward the top. If you want to like the video, that helps too. So with that being said, we're out, guys. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go, Pat, go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. You tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not... We drive down on the first man who is inside. Pullback, we tell him to take the first man outside the offensive tackle. No one shows. He goes right by them and feels inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.